Hello, hello. I'm Audrey Peck, your host of Asian Women for Health's podcast, From Resilience to Radiance. Thanks for joining us. Each month, we amplify the voices of Asian women and their health journeys as a source of insight, inspiration, and empowerment. Now, May commemorates both Asian Pacific American Heritage Month and National Mental Health Awareness Month. So someone who is helping to pave the way to raise awareness and shift the conversation around mental health, and who is an inspiring change maker and personal mentor to many, is our special guest, Dr. Pata Suyamoto. She is a feminist scholar, writer, educator, and mental health activist. And as a suicide attempt survivor, she has spoken and written about her struggles with chronic depression and PTSD. I am delighted to have Pata return to this program since our podcast launch back in 2019, How Time Flies, and her role as a champion of health and social equity has only grown since then. Pata is now the program and training director for the National Asian American Pacific Islander Mental Health Association, also known as NAPIMA, and she continues to serve as co-chair for the Greater Boston Regional Suicide Prevention Coalition. Pata, welcome back. Thank you, Audrey. I'm so excited to be here. So grateful you could join us once more. I know you just returned from travels after speaking at a conference um, in Chicago, was it? It was, the American Association of Suicidology. Yeah, it was, it was a, actually Napima presented a, um, a session on uh, Asian American experience of um, healing through the arts. It was actually really interesting. I, I spoke, did some of my poetry, and Thomas Knight did uh, a taiko um, performance, and DJ sort of framed the whole um, concerns and you know, issues in Asian American mental health. So it was really powerful. Yes, and I know the arts have always played an important role in your own healing journey. Uh, how was the talk received? Oh. They, everyone really liked it. I think, I think whenever you are real, you know, and talk about your experience, um, that people um, really resonate. So it was, it was, and the taiko drum was, I mean, he went last. I wasn't going after taiko drumming. Um, it was very <laughs> moving, very moving. So, um, and, you know, I mean, and it really highlights the work Napima is doing too in Asian American healing through the arts, as well as uplifting the voices of people with lived experience. Yes, and we'll, we'll uh, definitely talk more about that in a moment. I'm always curious as a speaker, would you be willing to share one or two takeaways from the conference based on your own experience? Sure. Um, I think one is that we have to be, um, we have to be able to start talking about mental health in all communities, but particularly in the Asian American community, because we don't talk about it. And looking at the arts and going through the arts is one way to begin that conversation, right? It, it, it provides a shared experience of an artistic expression. And then people can say, oh, that's about mental health. Oh yeah, right. Like if you're, if you're talking to your family, for instance, right? Mm-hmm. And you, um, you wanna bring up the subjects, it's really hard to say, gee, I'm really suffering. I mean, to start there, it can be really hard for people. So to start with, I wanna share this poem I saw at a conference or I want to share this video and then, oh, what do you think about, you know, the Asian, you know, it's an easier in sometimes for people mm-hmm. than just 
you know, talking about one's own experience. Um, so I think, you know, and the arts are very powerful healing mode. So that's the other thing, you know, that, um, you know, Thomas, who was a, a suicide loss survivor, talked about his journey with his brother, you know, as, as you know, his brother died by suicide and then having to like heal and how he used Tycho. First, it didn't work for him because he was so angry. But then, you know, when he reset himself, he could really use the Taiko to heal and to share his experience. Um, so, and I think, you know, through my spoken word, I share my experience in a way that's different than just sort of saying, hi, I'm like a person with major depression or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, I guess it sort of removes the awkwardness or perhaps self-consciousness of individuals mm -hmm. and it's, it can be less threatening overall. Yes, I think so. I think yeah. so, so. Well, that's wonderful. I'm glad uh, um, the conference was so productive and, and healing to those yes. attendees. Was yes. it um, attended by professionals? Yes, it's pr primarily professionals and people in suicidology, mm. you know, researchers, academics, um, practitioners, you know, lots of social workers and, you know, people in the mental health field. Um, mm. You know, I think, I think that that, um, and, I, you know, AAS, American Association of Suicidology um, is really working to to expand its uh, diversity, amongst other things. And um, you know, this was I think the first time that they had an Asian American plenary on the main stage. Oh. So we were on the main stage, and I had an Asian American fellow come up to me and say, "Thank you so much for re representing us, That's because fantastic. we are so left out so often," which yes. is true. It, particularly in the mental health you know, field. So, um, so it was really powerful in that way too, just to represent, right? To be right. on the main stage with hundreds of people saying, you know, this is, this is our reality, you know, and have people listen to us. So that Absolutely. was very powerful. You, you have such an important voice to share on behalf of all of us. You're also a, a curriculum developer and diversity trainer. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. as we navigate mm -hmm. our way uh, towards a, a post COVID future, do you actually feel mm -hmm. like we're making progress in helping people access adequate mental health treatment? Mm -hmm. Well, I think COVID made it clear that our system is broken. Mm. You know, there's so many, I mean, you know, I've been doing some um, talking, uh, we just had a panel through the Department of Public Health on um, LGBTQ plus, um, you know, mental health during COVID. And, you know, the organizations that were represented on the panel were talking about how long their wait lists are mm -hmm. for, for direct care. And that's true of any, I think, of most places in general, but certainly any place that's dealing with a special population, be it Asian Americans, be it LGBTQ+, be it, you know, African American, whatever. I mean, if you are a practitioner of color or you are in an organization that serves, uh, the, the, long, the lists are very long. You know, so we, we don't have adequate care, you know, now. We never have adequate care, particularly for our um, communities of color. We don't. Mm -hmm. um, I do think that there is some awareness being raised because it's gotten kind of dire, right? Like, you know, we don't have enough services. We don't know what the impact is going to be on things like suicide. Um, we know that um, actually, I think during like, you know, 2020, there was some decrease in some statistics of suicide, some increases in certain populations, but some decrease as well. But it's also the case that people, you know, were isolated, 
too, you know, and they were in their homes and, you know, there wasn't, and now that, you know, um, people are going out too, I think there's more stress on people. I mean, in the transition between, you know, going from working at home and maybe being isolated in a little bit, and sometimes for some people, that's a comfort, right? To be, to not have to deal with all of the outside stuff. And now we have to transition outside again. So all of these things are stressors. I'm just you know, mm. pointing this out. You know, and so yeah. we don't know what's going to happen in terms of those things. But I also feel like you know, we need, need in our communities to really realize that it's okay to not be okay. Mm. You know, because so often we you know, pretend. I mean, there's this expectation that we are you know, the model minority, that we are all shiny and you know, perfect. And, you know, and it doesn't really work that way. And it's really hard for those of us, I think for Asian Americans, you know, who are trying to live up to both the model minority and then our family's expectations and like, you know, the whole thing, you know, sometimes in terms of mental health and we actually need to begin to really think about, well, what is wellness? And, you know, it's, it's more than just having a mental health condition. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you can be stressed out and be struggling, but not have a mental health condition. I mean, COVID is enough and anti-Asian racism is enough right. for people to be really stressed out. And, um, and that's a mental wellness concern. Absolutely. And if we could talk about it, right? Mm-hmm. And share it and find strategies, that would be, make, make a big difference. But people tend to not talk about it and not, then not be able to get help. Yes. All very important points. And you're playing um, an integral role in helping people, encouraging people to speak up about mental health. So share with us now your important role in cultivating a, a network of AAPIs yes. with lived yes. experience. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so NAPIMA is starting, um, we're starting a, uh, well, relaunching actually. Okay. Uh, a uh, uh, initiative called NAPIAN, which is the National Asian American Pacific Islander Empowerment Network. And NAPIAN is a network of Asian Americans who have lived experience with mental health issues. And and that's writ large, right? It's not just people who have a a diagnosis or people who are, um, you know, a temp survivor or, or, or a loss survivor. I mean, this is people who are impacted too, impacted family and friends. So, so if you have a, a close friend or a family member who has mental health concerns and particularly you know, maybe had made a suicide attempt and you're one of the impacted family members who are thinking about, oh my God, is this person gonna be okay? And like all the stresses of being a caregiver in that situation, that's, that's lived experience too. So we need to mm-hmm. think of it much larger than just you know, people with, because you know, with mental health diagnoses, because right. you know, how we deal with these issues is a bigger issue than just that. Um, but I think, you know, not being as being, you know, we're relaunching it in order to support each other first, mm-hmm. because, you know, we live in a world where Asian Americans are not always welcome to the table and where people with mental health challenges or, you know, or dealing with mental health challenges in their families are also not welcome often. So we need to support each other, but we also need to get our experiences, knowledge, and perspectives out to inform practice and policy. So that's the other piece of it, you know, that it's not just an inward thing, although that's important. It's also an external thing where we share our knowledge, our experience. Um, And so there's a lot of different components um, 
to this network. Um, uh, you know, I'm developing a steering committee now, which is good because, you know, I can't do this alone. <laughs> I've learned that for sure. Yes, yes. Um, and, you know, we're going to be developing a speakers bureau and something called, I call a resource bureau which is a little different, you know, I mean, a lot of times people uh, will be writing a grant or, you know, creating a new practice or procedure or policy or something, and they'll want the input of someone with experience, but they're like, who do I invite? So we, we would be a resource, we would have people who would be, who, you know, because people with little experience have lots of other experience, and, and we have a lot of uh, skills, you know, and so that perspective is important, but like, I mean, I could, cer I have certainly you know, written and looked at many grants, right, for instance. Yeah. So if someone wanted input, they could uh, tap us and, and hire us, because I think the other thing that's really important to realize that, you know, uh, a lot of times people with lived experience are sort of a throwaway, you know what I mean? Like, they, like they're not considered a professional. You know, what I mean, and I think that's that's a mistake because our experience is, is is often as important as the academic procedure you're doing for your study or whatever, you know. Yes, yes, rightfully so. So I hear support network, resource referral for speakers and then ways to just engage people um, in conversation, offering a safe space. Right. Where people can share their unique perspectives and experiences. And in the process, you're raising awareness, combating stigma, and also right. informing practice and policy. And, and, and hopefully we're gonna also, you know, sort of drill down into some special interest groups uh -huh. because there are certain kinds of topics. I mean, for instance, professionals, Asian American, people with lived experience who are professionals. That's a particular group, right? That's, I mean, I understand those concerns because I've lived them. How do you talk to your employer mm. about your mental health, particularly given the, the uh, you know, the uh, model minority myth? I mean, they have assumptions about you, right? And all that kind of stuff. So mm. how do you do that? You know, um, another subgroup or you know, special interest group might be parents. You know, how, how do, as a parent with a mental health concern, how do I negotiate my own mental health wellness and my child? You know, how do I talk to my child about mental wellness and mental health? All these issues, you know, that you look down at a specific subset of us, it's a whole different kind of, you know, questions to be asked and concerns to be addressed and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and it sounds like that, those opportunities could be quite impactful. And how does one get involved with this initiative? Because it sounds out okay. okay. Yeah, so right now, the way to get involved is to email me. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we are, we are working on getting it up on our website. Eventually, mm -hmm. there'll be a place on Napima's website for Napian with a place to join the network. Okay. We're not there yet. It's just like, you know, got to be transparent. Yes. So it's pata at napima.org. Okay, so, and we'll include that with your yeah. bio as well. And sure. in addition to other resource links. Yes, yes. So it's pata at napima.org. Um, and so, um, you know, people can write me to if they have interest in joining the network or just learning about it, I'm happy to share any more, uh, you know, information. Um, you know, the other thing I think that's really important about these kind of networks is that you talk about allies too, and how allies can help the network and also you know, elevate it, but also be really respectful. 
because sometimes, you know, people, I mean, I've been on so many panels and things where you have Dr. Blah, 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 and Dr. Blah, 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 and Dr. Blah, 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 and then the person with lived experience, me, you know, I mean, and, the, you know, I mean, it's a good thing I'm a Dr. Blah, 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 too, because sometimes <laughs> it feels like, you know, just kind of like, oh, yeah, and that person at the end of the talk, you know, who, who, you know, we've gone over in terms of time. And so they have 10 minutes left and it's right before lunch, mm -hmm. right? You know, <laughs> that's where you're often positioned. And so I think, you know, there, you know, we can be a resource too to have the conversation is how do you respectfully include people with lived experience? How do you really elevate their, um, our uh, experiences and voices? Um, and I think I just want to do a plug for the Asian American Mental Health Forum here. Yes. Um, we, <laughs> because I think, um, in you know, in Massachusetts, we have the Asian American Mental Health Forum. That's a yearly um, event, and this year it's on July 30th, a Saturday, and it will be uh, virtual and free. And there'll be some social work CEUs involved if people need them. Mm -hmm. And the thing that we do very well is we elevate the voices of people with lived experience, um, yes. you know, as part of our mission. So I think, you know, one of the things, you know, we can certainly learn from that experience about how to do that and how to keep that in the forefront, right? Mm -hmm. So the, you know, uh, the forum, you know, provides a platform for your know, researchers, professionals in the field, uh, advocates, uh, practitioners, and people with experience and community members all on the same level. So that is like critical. And I want to see that in Napian too, where people can learn how to engage people with lived experience in a respectful way. That's not just a throwaway at the end of the talk. So, so important. And um, this year's forum, the theme is building resilience, healing trauma across generations. So um, we'll have more details about that as well. So would you care to share anything else that might be coming up for you in the calendar that we should know about? Sure. Sure. Um, uh, in May, yeah, it's the 18th and 19th, the Department, Massachusetts Department of Public Health Conference, uh, Suicide Prevention Conference is happening. Um, and it, we are going to, um, NAPIMA is, is sh uh, showcasing the Hearts Hope Initiative, which was an initiative, an arts-based initiative, coming back to the arts, um, that shared uh, inspiration about suicide prevention and mental health. So, um, and Emily, who has also been on this wonderful podcast, uh, Emily Chen, she, she's going to be pre presenting as well as Amy Mannion, who, uh, Asian Women for Health um, folk. So we're all presenting um, or sharing our work for that initiative and talking about what it means to be doing art for our own healing. So that's exciting. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. Um, at the same conference, I'll be doing a workshop, um, a suicide prevention workshop on cultural humility versus cultural competence. Mm. So the idea that, you know, at least cultural competence has come to me, right, um, that you can, your clinician or someone can go and learn a bunch of stuff and be competent in the culture of, of a culture they're not part of, which in my mind is absurd. <laughs> How can you do that? I mean, I'm not even competent in my own culture as a mixed heritage Japanese American woman who grew up on the East Coast. I mean, come on. You know, I mean, it's like there's lots of perspective. I have one perspective. Mm -hmm. So um, we're promoting this idea of cultural humility, which is more like, you know, you ask, right? You realize that the expert is right in front of you and that if you respectfully ask for their input, 
that you're going to get more cultural information than you are from Google, right? Um, yes. And, and the idea also is that, you know, it's not that you don't do any homework, right? There are some broad strokes of, you know, experiences. I mean, understanding how trauma plays out in the Asian American community is important if you're a clinician working with Asian Americans who have experienced trauma. But knowing an individual, but making an assumption about an individual is a mistake in my thought, you know, I mean, I've had that happen to me where, you know, a clinician has made a mistake about or assume something about me, which was completely wrong. Right, right. Wow. Well, you're always a wealth of information, Pata. And um, it sounds like wonderful opportunities that are up and coming yeah. for people to get involved and to learn more and to heal collectively. Yes. Yes. And, 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 and then I do hope, I mean, I really hope that Asian American people with lived experience join us at Nopian. Also, I hope they join the forum because I think it's a beautiful place for people to share. Yes. And we'll definitely include those details and your other resource links for our listeners um, with your bio. So thank you so much for that, Pata. And I usually like to close with a few rapid fire questions. You know the drill, right? Yeah, sure. (laughs) So having just come from um, large events, what's the first thing you notice about someone when you meet them? Oh, that's a funny question because it's my (laughs) My, my, you know, it's like my first thing was to a- a- answer caddy, you know, like their hair, but that's not even true, you know. <laughs> um, you know, I, the first thing I notice about someone when I meet them is, is probably, um, do they look at ease? Mm. Like, do, do they look approachable? Do they look like someone to sort of, you know, is this someone I'm going to like have a good vibe about? I mean, I'm very, I'm very attuned to energy. Energy, yes. So like I walk into a room and I can see, you know, the people who are sitting like, oh, I don't want to be here. You know, and the, the ones that are, oh, this is kind of interesting, you know. So I, I think I noticed the energy first. Got it. What practice helps you to feel most positive and calm? Um, I think two things. One is I have a prayer practice that I do a sort of meditative practice that I think is that helps me feel calm, but also uh, art, to be honest. I mean, when I'm feeling off, I like to make something. I like to do something with my hands, something that takes me out of this head space that I'm always in, you know, the head, you know, always thinking about stuff, always wondering, always worrying, you know, Um, worrying about the world, worrying about my own life or, you know, I, I, I can get out of that when I do something really manual with my hands. So um, that's where I go to. And with your voice, because you've also performed yeah. spoken word, as you mentioned, yes. and poetry. And yes. I know you design your own jewelry, too. Have yes. that. It's fun. Great. Now, I know you're also an avid biker. So if you could bike anywhere in the world, where would you venture? Japan. <laughs> Well, okay. that's also because I, I mean, I want to go to Japan for my own heritage because I have, I've never been to Japan. In fact, I was supposed to go this year for my 60th birthday, uh-huh. but because of COVID, we didn't good go. Good old COVID. <laughs> COVID, right. Good old COVID kind of flattens everything down. Mm-hmm. But I'm, uh, I'm planning on a trip with my daughter, hopefully in the next couple of years, as things settle down, you know, COVID wise and, and travel wise. Um, and uh, the Japanese make beautiful bikes. I would love to go to a Japanese frame builder and, you know, look at the bikes that are made, you know, by hand in Japan. That would be really special. Um, you know, um, there are other places, you know, that I'd like to ride just because the big riding like Italy is a big riding mm-hmm. country. That would be fun. But Japan just it, it combines many of my interests together. 
So, yeah. Well, I hope you um, have that opportunity in the near future. <laughs> me too. Me too. COVID be gone. COVID be gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although we'll probably just need to integrate it into our lives like everything yeah. else. <laughs> well, thank you again, Pata. Any other um, thoughts before we wrap this session? You know, I think, I think it's so important for Asian Americans and for people in our families and communities to begin this conversation. I just want to say this again. You know, I mean, um, and it's hard. It's hard because, you know, people, because of the stigma, because, mm-hmm. um, and because we're not used to talking about these things. I mean, this is not part of what we grew up with. It means breaking the silence, literally, yes. around these issues in our families, in our communities. But if we don't, particularly, you know, in a country where, you know, uh, I think, you know, we have mental health concerns and treatments and help and that kind of thing that is available. And to try to, you know, to provide uh, culturally humble and, you know, care and um, is a challenge. But if we don't start taking some, uh, you know, kind of responsibility to start the conversation in our communities. We can't expect other people to do that for us. We have to do that ourselves. Right, it begins with us. And we just raise the volume and share, share, share as we are doing now. That's right, that's right. Thank you again for your presence, Pata. I know you're a very busy person, so um, you're always leading by example though. And uh, we appreciate you lifting women up in particular and people within the Asian community um, and inspiring those around you to be more resilient. Thank you, Audrey. So if you'd like to learn more about Pata, as I mentioned, we will make her resource links available and be sure to subscribe also to Asian Women for Health from Resilience to Radiance on Apple and Google Podcasts, SoundCloud and Stitcher. All the platform links and earlier episodes, including Pata's launch um, on our program will be available on our podcast page at the asianwomenforhealth.org website. And feel free to leave a comment about the topics that matter to you most. We'd love to hear from you. And remember that there are monthly socials, help webinars, and lunch and learn virtual programs available with Asian Women for Health. So make the most of these opportunities. Until next time, keep shining and stay connected because the world needs you.